Now, first today, to the renewed sense of urgency to secure the release of the Australian economist Sean Turnell, who was sentenced this week to three years in prison in Myanmar. Sean Turnell's trial was conducted behind closed doors in a military court after having been detained for 19 months, and the ruling has been rejected by the federal government here. So how might those involved proceed to work towards the release of Aung San Suu Kyi's former economic advisor in what is a complex, dangerous political climate that isn't really getting the coverage it deserves? Of course, there are many other political prisoners and democracy activists, including Suu Kyi herself, who also remain in prison amid the violent crackdown by the military regime. Nicholas Koppel is a former Australian ambassador to Myanmar who served during the period when Aung San Suu Kyi came to power. And it's my pleasure to welcome him. Hello there. Uh, Good morning, Geraldine. Uh, 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 How does the sentencing, this sentencing of Sean Turnell, affect how everyone involved might proceed, would you say, Nicholas? Does it change the gear, in effect, of, of the campaign to have him released? Well, I think it is a turning point. It's a turning point because... We now know what the sentence is. Uh, so the court aspect of uh, his treatment has been dealt with. It's, um, as, as you mentioned, a very outrageous um, set of circumstances. I mean, the charges against him were trumped up. The whole legal process against him was behind closed doors. Mm. He hasn't been granted correct, proper uh, consular access, access to his family as well. So it's uh, very un- un- unfortunate for Sean and it's right for the Australian government to be making every effort to try and release him. At this particular point, he's um, with with the sentence having been passed, I mean, there's no rule book on this, but I think if we look to what's happened to a number of other people, foreigners who've been charged in, and sentenced in Myanmar, we've seen that the re- military regime has moved reasonably quickly to... Uh, pardon them from for what they've um, claimed to be their crimes and then deported them. And I think that's the best hope we can have for Sean at this stage. The deportations never happen prior to a sentencing. So now that the sentencing is done, there is a chance that uh, he will be deported. And I think that's for the Australian government will be the focus of their their efforts going forward. And in your opinion, how might Australian officials um, facilitate this, proceed to raise his case and deal with military representatives who really are involved in shocking violence? And we'll get to that in a moment. Well, the, the ambassador will... I presume be receiving instructions from Canberra on uh, going forward and um, making representations on Sean's behalf. This this won't be without any without criticism. There are you know activists in particular who feel that any contact with the military regime legitimises that regime, and so they should be avoided all, at all <clears throat> um, altogether. But I think uh, in the case here where we have Australia's interests very clearly at the forefront and the interests of Sean to, and, the, you know, the objective being to bring him home as quickly as possible, um, we need to write out those sorts of criticisms. I mean, it is tricky, isn't it? Because um, it means you sit down with heinous people, which I know Alan Gingell, a former great diplomat, said, yes, you do this all the time. This is the nature of diplomacy. But we, for instance, have imposed no new sanctions on Myanmar's military generals, even though other 
uh, countries like the US, the UK, for instance, Canada, have, um, you know, as even though their behaviour arguably is becoming more egregious. So you're comfortable with that, oh, I don't know, I suppose that compromising uh, tone that you're taking for the sake of him? Well, I, I think the, the question of, of sanctions on the military is a separate one. Um, if, if you go back over the, the course of Myanmar's recent history, a um, number of countries have been imposing sanctions on Myanmar, um, you know, in, in, in the 90s. Uh, Australia never did. Um, it's not been our policy in relation to Myanmar. So when... Is that because we're ta- taking more of a regional approach? Is that it, you know, the ASEAN approach? It is much more aligned with the approach taken by Japan, Korea, the region, and indeed the rest, most of the world. The countries which have imposed sanctions uh, are fairly limited. It's, essentially, it's the two North American countries and Europe. The rest of the world hasn't. So it's not, not that Australia is somehow isolated. It's, uh, it's a different judgment on which is the best way to, to proceed. And it does come down to a judgment. Um, neither approach can be said to have been successful. The the approach of isolating Myanmar uh, didn't achieve change within Myanmar. The approach of engaging Myanmar didn't achieve change within Myanmar. Change within Myanmar has come from within Myanmar, by the people of Myanmar. And uh, that's how it's going to happen again. So I don't think that, um, you know, the absence of sanctions following the coup last year is somehow to be seen as Australia going softly to protect um, um, or to, to, you know, with regard to to Sean Turnell. I think it's a separate question. I I mean, uh, is he, what is your judgment? Is he being used as a a warning to Aung San Suu Kyi and her followers primarily that they have the power to do this? Or is it something about his behaviour? Well, certainly nothing to do with his behaviour. I mean, his, his behaviour, the work of Sean Turnell in Myanmar has been excellent. I mean, I'm, I know him. I know him very well. I know his work very well. And it's been very much for the good of Myanmar. He's been providing economic advice to Aung San Suu Kyi and her government uh, when they were in power um, on economic matters, much needed in a country that had been mismanaged economically by the military regime for decades. And... After decades of mismanagement, you had habits or, or ways of getting decisions out of government which weren't um, transparent, which relied on, on connections and influence, and particularly amongst the military men. And uh, he was batting back a lot of um, really bad proposals, you know, for restrictions and um, licensing mm. privileges and so on, well, for, for the good of Myanmar, for the good of the welfare of the people of Myanmar. So it's not his work as such, although some of that work might have uh, stepped on the toes of um, of military personnel. I think and, it's and more their to money do... and their money, their lines of money too. Yes, yes, um, and not and lines of money not to it as so much as an institution, but to individuals. Yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, can I just interrupt you because I noticed the Economist the other day had an, another piece saying that the they were running the the regime was running Myanmar right into the ground that these business issues or, you know, lack of knowledge or whatever it is, um, self-interest was just really becoming ext- even more acute. Do you agree with yes. that? Yes, I do. It's, um, I mean, they have no idea how an economy works and all they can see is opportun- individual opportunities which will make an individual wealthy. 
but at the cost of the greatest of the economy as a whole. So are you optimistic that Sean Turnell, really, this might follow through, that now that the sentence has come down, that he might be pardoned or released? I think it's hard to be optimistic in the sense that they're a very unpredictable and irrational group of of men. But um, I think, as I said, it's it's a turning point, and I think it's it it would not have happened prior to the sentencing. Now that sentencing has happened, there is a possibility that they that he will be pardoned and and returned home. But I wouldn't want to create any sense of false hope for for his family because. It's um, there is no certainty about these things. There's a case of um, Danny Fenster, an American journalist, um, who was sentenced for for over ten years, if I recall correctly, and he was released and put on a plane within a matter of days. But there's also been the case of a former British ambassador, uh, Vicky Bowman, and uh, she's been sentenced to imprisonment for one year. Uh, for her work in Myanmar, well, not for her work in Myanmar, the charges are, again, trumped up immigration charges. And uh, she was sentenced uh, several weeks ago and still in in prison. Yeah, that's an extraordinary story that uh, she's married a a local man who is, I think, a a democracy activist. Um, And um, I had to sort of really reread that to ensure that it was right, you know, that that they had put a former British ambassador in prison. Uh, Look, it is, when you read it again, you think of what is happening in Ukraine and the degree of uh, uh, attention being paid to Ukraine and what is not being paid to Myanmar. And yet there are all sorts of different people fighting inside Myanmar. I knew that, but I just was reminded of it when I started looking at the details. Are they not being supported by uh, outside forces? Um, not Certainly no foreign government is uh, openly supporting the resistance within Myanmar. Uh, and I'm there aren't reports of anyone supporting them. There may be individuals who, who are providing that support in terms of military equipment and uh, financing military equipment purchases. Um, I mean, I think the situations are a little bit different. In Myanmar, it's very it's a coup, a military coup, so it's happening within the context of, of one country. Ukraine, of course, uh, is... It was a land grab sort of thing. Mm. An invasion, and not only an invasion, but an invasion conducted by one of the permanent members of the UN Security Council. So, so it's in a position to veto any action um, to, to control it. And there's also a, a nuclear-powered state. So standards of behaviour are expected to be you know, quite high in, for a country which is entrusted by the world with, with the power of, uh, of veto at the Security Council. Myanmar, it's a coup. It's a, well, it's, it's a, a civil war, isn't it, really, I suppose? That's the way to think about it. Well, that's, um, well, that's happening as well. Um, there have been uh, the ethnic minorities on the borderlands of, in Myanmar, have been in, many of them have been in conflict with the central government for decades. And that's continued and some of that has flared up um, to a greater level of intensity following the coup. Uh, could, could Final question, really. Uh, it is... Very distressing when you read into it again. Um, Could Australia do more in terms of offering humanitarian visas or is that visa request a dangerous step to take for people in Myanmar? No, it's not a dangerous step to take. Um, And, and, you know, the humanitarian program, the visa program is there for people who do feel 
that uh, they've got a well-founded fear of persecution. That's that's what it's it's there for, and it should be availed by people who are in that situation. Um, you know, the cases are handled very sensitively and uh, confidentially. Um, mostly, it's Myanmar citizens who have fled the country, so they've left their territory. And so I they're in Thailand or something. Yes. Mm. Uh, so, okay, <laughs> you know, we're hemmed in by the sound of you, but dear, oh dear, um, it, it's, uh, you know, the situation there is just deteriorating and it's it's awful to read. And we wish Turnell, Sir Sean Turnell and his family all the very best. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Nicholas Koppel, he's adjunct associate professor uh, at um, Monash University and a former career diplomat and ambassador. He was in Myanmar for four years. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.